Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 56 of Hello, Fellow Kids. It's a very special holiday episode. Meaning it's a clip show, weren't, weren't. But <laughs> yeah. it's clips. It's clips none of you have heard. So, yeah. like, it's from the cutting room floor. It's, it is better than the uh, the whole staff went home for the holidays, so we have one poor editor that has to just compile a bunch of previous storylines that you've all seen before. All the best jokes that Dorothy ever told on Golden Girls, or every single clip of Sophia telling a story about about Sicily. I remember, I think the first time I remember being, like, acutely aware of clip shows was when uh, my mom and I were binging Friends together, and uh, it's an episode started, and I was like, I'm pretty sure I've seen this part before. No, I've, I've seen this before, too! How lazy are they? Um, well, um, I'll tell you how lazy they were. This was back in the 90s when they used to do, like, 26 to 28 episodes per season. I think everyone was tired. That's true, yeah. Like we, so if it, yeah, if you're doing clip shows now in the year of our Lord 2022, where like seasons are like 13 episodes, maybe it's like you could work a little harder. Imagine a clip show in a season of uh, like a streaming show that drops the whole season at once. It's like, why did you? How are do we? That? <laughs> How are we nostalgic for this already? <laughs> I remember when I watched that five minutes ago. Uh there's a really good quote-unquote clips episode of Avatar The Last Airbender. It's the last episode before the four-part finale, and the main characters all go to a uh, go see a play of their own adventures. And so it's retelling the whole, like, all the best parts of the series, but by really crappy community actors that are all horribly miscast and very bad at their jobs. So it's like a new episode while still being like Eclipse episode is pretty clever. So it's giving like the writers a break, but not the animators because they have to animate new things anyway. Right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, we've got, uh, we've got some, some parts that didn't make it into the regular episodes, some extended sequences and some tangents and, some some good good goofs and uh they're all i think from the last year's worth of episodes so that means that it's very possible that we uh, could do another one of these down the line that maybe includes uh some even older material i'm sure we can mine through old episodes and find some some really weird things that got cut because i think i think we had to trim like over an hour out of one of the Fablehaven recordings to get it to fit into our arbitrary wow. one to two hour window that's that's wow <laughs> i'm sure it's all just dead air and ums and whatever episode it was where i had to go feed the cat because it was just wasn't happening the person i'd asked to feed her didn't and i had to leave for a bit there was also a, a an old episode way back when we would record in person uh where i had to use the restroom so I left, but the recording was still going, and you were just kind of, like, talking, and then I came back, and I was like, did you say anything? And you're like, nope. And then I found it, like, a month later when I was editing the episode. I think I was just smack-talking you, honestly. Yeah, probably. Which is what you're <laughs> supposed to do when your co-host gets up and leaves. Totally. Like, now I'll tell you what I really think of him. <laughs> um... Like, a month later, you're crying with your headphones on. Like... <laughs> She said I wasn't as funny as I think I am. <laughs> Which I already knew, but, like, to hear it out loud just really reinforces it. She said it to me already. <laughs> um, All right. But, um, yeah. Setting up the first clip. So we've got a very brief bit from the most recent episode, episode 55, Hookie, uh, which is um, Mara's very clever reinterpretation of chestnuts roasting on an open fire which... sometimes you you write down bits in your notebook and it just doesn't quite you don't signal yourself well enough that a bit's coming in to prepare yourself so it's like oh hey you're gonna be singing in a second you should get ready and i usually write musical notes around whatever i'm gonna do but i didn't do it this time and uh 
So there was a struggle. Um, so the kids do as they're told. <laughs> they arrive with only a little bit of struggle, as Dorian isn't very good at flying. Uh, this uh, floating rock prison has dragon eggs roasting on an open fire, which intrigues Dorian. Oh, I was supposed to sing that. I, I'm glad I'm, I spared you. Anyway. You don't want to do like it. We, we can do a second take. Okay. All right. This floating rock prison has dragons. Right? Hey, fuck. I fucked it up. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to try it one more time. And if I don't get it, then just, okay. I'm going to scrap this okay. joke. I should have. I knew I should have wrote musical notes around it. Okay. This floating rock prison has dragon eggs roasting on an open fire, which intrigues Dorian. But uh, you're not the Khaleesi dude. So come on. This is from the tail end of episode 55, Hookie, which I think it might have actually gone past when we would have called it for the episode, because after we record each episode, we spend a few minutes just talking, and I had been about to leave for uh, Nashville, a trip to Nashville uh, in the immediate future, and we started talking about uh, meeting celebrities, and uh, turns out that Mara has actually had some close calls at her uh, previous uh, place of work. Yeah, anyone who's a big fan of Who's Line is in any way is going to be so excited. Truly the biggest name in all of acting. I mean, it's not Drew Carey, but like, you know, the other one. Yeah. Not Colin Mockery, the other one. (laughs) Yeah, Aisha Tyler. Yeah, you caught me. (laughs) No, um... Uh, for my birthday, my mom and I are going to, uh, we're going to go see Elton John, and we're also going to visit, um, He's Jack- playing Nashville? Yeah. Um, I didn't really think that, I don't think Elton John, I think Nashville. He, Is well, that his only American stop? No, no, no. It's just that, uh, the, so the... He's stopping at the Tacoma Dome, but that sold out. Um, but there were still tickets oh, for Nashville. Okay. But Nashville is also where my favorite musician, Jack White, has his own record store. And so we're going to visit that as well and just make a little weekend of it. Does he work there, too? Uh, he does stop in periodically because it's also he also has a uh, he has a recording room there and uh, some other like really cool stuff. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, probably not. <laughs> while we're there I've but been to, i've been to ryan styles's improv theater in, in bellingham oh that's awesome that's right he does yeah. he, he lives around here yeah he lives on lake samish and um my hagen was the his local store so he'd come in sometimes and he was very very tall yes he'd be like jesus that guy's tall that's ryan styles was what happened every time. I didn't think Ryan Styles every time. I always thought that man is very tall, and then that'd be the second thought. <laughs> did he ever buy fish thought, from you or whatever? He sure did. He came to the department, and then like I freaked out and ran to the sink and just started running water into it, so I wouldn't have to talk to him. And someone else waited on him. <laughs> so that's me, and I wasn't even really that big of a uh, whose line is it anyway fan. I was just me, like I can't handle it. <laughs> and once uh what's her face hillary swank was in the store and i wanted to go see her but like i was working and it was funny because like my friend who worked in the dairy section came running up and she's like looks like she's on the verge of tears and i was like who i was thinking like who did something to her and she goes hillary swank is in the store and i'm like and she was a bitch what happened she's just like she goes p.s i love you was one of my favorite movies and i was like freaking out and i was like did you get an audit are you okay like what <laughs> she was just so excited and i'm like where is she now and she's like oh she's at the check stand and i'm like oh okay and i thought maybe i'd walk by and like do a quick gawk just so I can say I, I saw Hillary Swank, but I was once in a building briefly at the same time as Hillary Swank. But I uh, hope you see Jack White. Are you going like to buy it. any records? Uh, maybe. I have some vinyl, but it's mostly... I mostly buy vinyl because they're things that aren't released on any other platform. Um, like, I don't, I don't necessarily prefer vinyl, um, but if they have anything with, like, really cool colors or something, I might... It's, it's more exciting to me than, like, a I Heart Nashville t-shirt. I don't think I've ever seen anything that Hillary Swank is in. I'm not sure that I would have ever recognized Hillary Swank. I could probably have a whole conversation uh, with her. You didn't see, um... 
Let me see. The Karate Kid Part 3? Uh, no. No, I did not. And you didn't see Boys Don't Cry? Nope. I haven't either. I don't want to watch a movie about a trans person getting murdered. No, thank you. I have not seen Million Dollar Baby. Oh, wait. No, I have seen... (laughs) I have seen one movie that she's in. Which one? Oh, is it really embarrassing and stupid? It's The Core, which is my girlfriend's favorite bad disaster movie. It made $75 million against a budget of $85 million. (laughs) Whoopsie. Stanley Tucci's in it. Oh my god, I might have to see it if Stanley Tucci's in it. Yeah, it's something about how they have to drill to the center of the Earth so they can, like, start it spinning again. Yeah, they have to drive. They have to drive in. They have to drive into the center of the Earth and then and then detonate nukes because the Earth is slowing down and they need to get it spinning again. Oh my god! (laughs) I mean, sure. Why not? At least at least the Earth wasn't hollow in that. (laughs) Or oh my god, my favorite movie. I forgot she was in this, but she plays like the funniest character. She's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, like the original 1992 movie. She's, her character is so funny. Like, she's, like, so mean and, like, dumb. Because she's just... <laughs> she plays one of, like, a frenemy of Buffy's who, like, steals her, like, look. And then is all... And then... I don't know. It's just... It's worth watching. I love that movie. This is from episode 53, Empty Smiles. I think that this was mostly recorded after the episode and i believe i think stranger things 4 had just dropped and mara was in the 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 heights of of her excitement for because she had just recently finished and i had not started yet yeah um now i'm like maybe you shouldn't watch it <laughs> no you, sh- you should to make your own opinion but like it's already getting like backlash so or yeah, just a couple months ago, like the new character that everyone absolutely adored, they're like already against. So, I mean, isn't that what happens with everything? It's like everything, everything that's popular. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. People like Which, it. Fun- <laughs> Too many people like it. People now hate it. <laughs> Which, funnily enough, that's our next topic after this. <laughs> have you watched? <laughs> um, have you watched Heartstopper on Netflix? No, I've read the comics though. I was wondering if I would just it would if I would just come off as a weird old lady if I watched it, so I didn't watch it. We're five episodes in. It's really cute. They look they look really well cast. Yeah, for, like what art looked like. I I think that the portrayal of Nick in this show, I think he's one of the one of the better characters. Like in television at the moment. I think I I am oh. really digging him. Is he like Peter Kavinsky level of well cast? I haven't actually read the comics, so I'm not sure as far as like the origin, um but okay. Um he I he's just he's really good. He's he's really good at conveying like the complexities of his his like emotional struggle and stuff and just yeah. He, I, I'll tell you what he is. He's the best hugger on television. Every time he hugs somebody, it looks like the best hug you've ever received. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay, maybe when I get Netflix back. I just canceled it after I've wa- finished Stranger Things. I was just like, I never watch anything on this. I always mean to and I don't. So I'm just, and they're going to hike up the price. So I'm just going to leave. So I left. And then that's when Neil Gaiman's like, hey, Sandman. I'm like, oh, shit. Well, it'll still be there two years from now when yeah. I get Netflix again to watch Stranger Things. Right. <laughs> that's what I care about. Like, that's what will bring me back. Yeah, for sure. And you still haven't watched it? No. What? What's the hold up? Like, is, is everyone actually going to get mad at you if you don't watch it with them? Or is nope. this something you're building up in your head, and uh, then you'll speak to them, and they go like, oh, I don't care, it's fine, no, go ahead and watch it. It is that I am genuinely bad at watching television. The fact that I've watched five episodes of Heartstopper in the last week is, like... A miracle? A miracle for me. I'm just so bad at it, because I just default to reading things, um, because I have that more tangible, like, I've completed this item in my hand, I can get rid of it sort of feeling. Um, or I'm just working on other stuff. I just, I'm really bad at... Yeah. 
So just watch one episode a day. Yeah. Like, like, why are we only watching one? You don't have to binge it. In fact, you'll probably like it better by not binging it. Yeah. Some of these people are like, oh, I really hated this because it just all kind of started seeming the same. And I'm just like, well, why did you watch it all in one lump? Like, if when you space things out, you actually kind of absorb it better. So. Yeah. I kind of wish I hadn't binged Stranger Things, but I wanted to because I knew that the TikTok people would right. fill me with spoilers and ruin it. So I, I was just like, I better watch this all in one sitting. Plus, I like... I was like, okay, because I'm like you. Like, sometimes I can't sit and watch the whole thing. There's things I still haven't watched, and I want to watch them, but I can't make myself do it. Yeah. So, so I just don't. And then I'm spending like lots of money on these fucking streaming services I'm not using. Yeah. So I'm I'm sympathetic. I've I've been the same way about not been getting behind on shows, but. I know you'll like this one. Max has such a great arc in this season that I was just like, in particular, like, you please watch this. Because I know Max is like one of your favorite characters. Max is so if good. If not your favorite character. Max is so good. What is your favorite character? Okay, you know what? We're going to remove Steve Harrington. He's our <laughs> favorite, you know. Who's your, who's your favorite? Um, Is it Max? It's probably Max. I mean, I really like Hopper. Um, I... Not Mike. Um. He's not anyone's favorite. There's like this scene in the new season where like Will says something to. Uh, do you want a minor spoiler? It's very very minor. Where Will says like Mike is the heart of the group, and I'm like fucking false. When is that true? It's Dustin. <laughs> Dustin Henderson is the heart of your dumb group. He's the one who gets everyone together when they all get in fights. Like Dustin's awesome. Dustin, yeah. Wait, Dustin's is great. I'd say he's my second. Dustin's like my third favorite after Steve. I know Steve's everyone's favorite. <laughs> That's why it's like talking about Stranger Things. You do have to remove him because everyone loves him so much yeah. to the point that the Duffer brothers have promised nothing will ever happen to Steve because they know there'd be riots in the streets if something happened to Steve Harrington. But um, what was my point? Oh, it was just like when we did that um top 10 favorite uh, ch- ch- uh, book series, and I said, okay, we all know Harry Potter. We're not including it. Right. So we're, we're leaving that out. I, Harry Potter and Steve Harrington are sitting over there. Um, one of the things with the Stranger Things characters is that I will have opinions that only apply to certain seasons. Like, I'll, you know, totally. I'll like... That's I, you know, so like, valid. I, I like this this season of this character, but not so much this other season. I'd say Mike season one and two. Like, Mike since has just been like, why is he even here? Yeah. Like, people on TikTok were saying, he's just Elle's boyfriend at this point. And you're right. like, I'm kind of okay with that happening because a lot of female characters have been relegated to that. So it's kind of right. cool to see that happen to the guy. Right. So I'm like, I'm fine with that. Um, Beard, your boyfriend. I remember parts, like, I remember really enjoying Lucas sometimes, then also being frustrated that he was like, always the other half of, like, the petty squabbles. He gets utilized so fucking well this season, where I was just like, I am so much more on Lucas's side than I've ever been in my life, and (laughs) it's amazing, and I fucking love him and Max, and I was just like, when did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. And, like, the Joyce and Hopper storyline, I was like, Snoozeville, I hate this, this is so boring. And and I was like, am I alone? And someone else on TikTok was giving, they're like, these are my controversial Stranger Things opinions about season four. And that was one of the things they said. And I was like, oh, thank Christ, it's not just me. <laughs> I mainly born, just like a, like a grumpy, confused dad hopper. <laughs> it's very amusing to me. Oh, they don't they don't do that. That's the thing. He's it's it's totally not what he's been the last few seasons. Uh-oh. It's really annoying. Uh oh. So I'm just like, I hate this so much. Um, Why do I hate this? But rest of it's like, a, it's a decent, fun season. Yeah. And like, new characters that you're going to love. I'm just really excited for the hyper-grounded Stranger Things s- sequel spinoff, which is effectively Clerks, but Steve Harrington and uh, uh, Robin, and Robin. Just, just working yes. at like a video store or something. Totally. Oh my god, that would be such a fun, like... YouTube short if they did that for a while to promote like the next season it's just Robin and Steve working at the video store people would watch it 
There's a guy I watch on YouTube who uh, he's been doing a series called Now in the 90s, where he does a uh, a weekly update about new games that are coming out today, 30 years ago. Um, so he's like, here's what was new for video games for the week of August 17th, 2022. Uh, it would be kind of cool for them to do something similar, like talking about new movies, but like the new movies from like, you know, 35, 40 years ago. Uh, and, yeah, and, like and now doing, it's like, on video. Doing like reviews <laughs> for it. <laughs> like Robin, what's your pick this week? And then she like has some cool like art house type film yeah. that she really had to like beg the owner to order so they'd have it. And right. Steve is like Porky's. You know, yeah, Steve's so just like, like Ghostbusters too. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I didn't know this story could get better, but it does. And she's just staring at him. <laughs> Fucking love Steve Arrington. Oh my god, like best character. Um. Oh, I was going to say that I did have another Stranger Things moment is when uh, Coco and Brian are on the Ferris wheel and they're up at the top and they see like the giant giant clown. It reminded me of in season three when um, the uh, wheelers are on the Ferris wheel and Holly's the only one who notices the thing in the trees and she's yes. like, uh, mommy. And she's all like, look at the fireworks, baby. And she's like, no, I'm going to watch that thing and make sure it doesn't come over here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be cool to get like a spin off of like Holly in the nineties, you know? Yeah. As like an old head. You know? I think that'd be cool. But anyway. Oh, speaking of which, uh, um, aside within an aside, uh, she Hulk, very fun. I've heard it's really fun. It's just, it's a delight. I think it might be my girlfriend's like favorite Marvel thing to come along in years. She just had so much fun with it, and we were like, <laughs> I I've enjoyed most of the series on Disney Plus, but like, I w I was really looking forward to that. It was always a bright spot in my week. I was interested, not so much because it's She Hulk, because I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other for yeah. about She Hulk, but I love Tatiana Maslany. She's such a good actress. Like I, I loved uh, Orphan Black that she was she was on. So when I saw, I was like, she's in it. Oh, I might have to watch that. Yeah, so. she destroys it. She's yeah. Yeah, Gail Simone loves it. She also loves Rings of Power, which I will not be watching. But <laughs> I mean, can't always be right. Is Rings of Power just because there's not enough hobbits? The thing is, it looks like the Sheehan version of like, or, or our go-to joke, the Kroger version of the Peter Jackson mm -hmm. trilogy. And that happened because uh, filmmaking has changed pretty drastically in just 20 years since those movies came out and not as much uh, money and time and care goes into um, special effects or costuming. So everything just kind of looks cheap. Right. There's because a Because they don't want to pay people is the thing. They want like these they want all the money you know, they want all the profits. They don't want money going into things and because all these artisans who create this beautiful work that you see in the uh, Peter Jackson's trilogy is by people who are unionized and it's just so much cheaper to pay for VFX stuff or not because most of the time they don't pay those houses and then they close and then another one opens and they just use them and then don't pay them and it just kind of keeps happening that way and it's disgusting so I think a lot of us were just like fucking enough already and why um, there was a push to just boycott Rings of Power and plus stick it to Bezos because fuck him but um, yeah so that's why I haven't watched it, um, I know Gil Simone loves it, and like anyone who has watched it, you're not a horrible person, and you're not personally responsible for like the evils of capitalism or whatever. But I don't know, it was kind of everyone boycotting it. It was kind of supposed to send a message of like we want better than this. Yeah, and can you, can you treat people better? Yeah, and just everybody draws their own lines with like you know moral stances and things like that. Totally. And if everybody drew a hard line about, like, everything all the time, you would just be completely gridlocked from everything because we are in a very immoral society in so many ways. And so, like, 
if your line is not at boycotting Rings of Power, but it is at something else, like, that's, you know, that's okay. You can have your own reasons for those things. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah. Well, I, I was, like, not in just because of the, the cheapness. Yeah. It, I just didn't think it looked very good. Right, and I think part of that also has to do with the fact that the original trilogy is almost more than it is a very beautiful, loving adaptation of the source material. It's a, a poetic love letter to the landscape of New Zealand and just the natural yes. beauty of actually filming on location and using as many practical effects as possible and really making it feel real. I feel like if Tolkien had been able to see that film, I think he would have just wept through the whole thing of just being like, you captured it. This is what I, you got it. Exactly. This is, this is exactly the, what the tone this is exactly what I was trying to get across. You know, I mean, that's a lot to speak for professor Tolkien, but like, I don't think he'd be like rubbish. This is bullshit. Get it out of my face. He'd see the care that went into it. And there is CGI in it. I know some people are like, oh, dated CGI or whatever, but like not so much because uh, they did as much practical as they could feasibly get away with. Oh, and another thing that people are like this overabundance of CGI is like they don't build sets anymore. It's all just green screen backgrounds. Yeah, like that picture from the the Hobbit production with uh, um, Ian McKellen just like, sitting and crying because it everything yeah. is green screen um it's all green screen and he's just talking to tennis balls which it's, is something that i you know i the hobbit movies get a lot of flack and i totally get it i i think that peter jackson is also very disappointed in a lot of the things that occurred there i don't think he wanted to do it that way no yeah i thought the hobbit movies i think on this podcast we called it a cynical cash grab I kind of feel like Rings of Power is the cynical cash grab. Hobbit is like, oh, what what would you call that? I don't know. Trying to make the marriage work, even though it's kind of over. <laughs> it's like, no, no, there's still some spark here. Like, you guys need to go your separate ways. It's done. Maybe if they'd gone forward, I know that there was talks with like Guillermo del Toro doing yeah. them. Yeah. The Hobbit movies. Maybe they should have. Not that Peter, I love Peter Jackson's work. I, I really, truly, honestly do. But after seeing The Hobbit, it was kind of like, maybe we should have had someone else. And someone with a strong enough vision. Like, not like a weak-ass director who's just going to do what he did. You know? There's like, well, he did this before, so I guess I'm not going to stray too much or someone who's going to be pushed around by the studio. You're not going to push around Guillermo del Toro. Right. And, like, the, you know, despite being in the same world, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings are two very different stories. One yes, is... And they, sh- and they should have different vibes. Yeah. Like, it makes sense that the guy who did the Lord of the Rings trilogy also did a very well-respected, like, war documentary not long after. In a similar vein, it makes sense that uh, the guy who would do The Hobbit movies would also be the person who, you know, made a film about, like, a labyrinth and all of the, like, crazy fairies that you encounter in it. Like, those those make sense when you understand, like, the, 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 the sub-genres of fantasy that each piece is going for. Well, there's elements of horror, too, with, like, mm-hmm. the whole necromancer thing mm-hmm. and the dragon, honestly. I, I would love to see what a Guillermo del Toro dragon would look like and behave and yeah. all that. And that's the sort of that's the sort of all new material that you could get in our clip show that you won't get from another. Still new material <laughs> to them. Yeah. This is from episode fifty four, The Night Gardener. Uh the topic of Nathan Fillion came up and uh Mara had a surprising favorite scene from his TV series Castle. Streaming on Hulu right now. Is it still? Probably. I don't know. I didn't go look. Hulu has pretty much every TV show, so if Castle isn't there, that's weird. Yeah. I don't know if ABC pulled everything and has their own thing or what. Yeah, I... I'm so confused as to, like, who owns what, because I thought that... Doesn't Disney... uh, Who owns Hulu? Does Hulu own Hulu? I thought that, like, Disney might have, like, bought it and just like kept it yeah hulu hulu is majority owned by the walt disney company why do they have both hulu and disney plus what's the point of this 
So they can show their more, more adult titles on Hulu. And then they have like the Disney Plus for it. But they end up putting like Deadpool on there and Logan being all like, we're going to try these like Marvel R-rated stuff. But that might just be to consolidate everything that's like Marvel. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. This book brought us, I think, my new favorite character on the podcast, uh, oh. Hester Kettle, the little storyteller. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, this is my new favorite character. This is it. <laughs> Who was it before? Like, Patton Burgess, I think. But strictly when he's punching the centaur <laughs> on the side, as we've all, as I've exhausted. Man, yeah, if, the, if, if you could get what, like, if you could have, like, custom... Funko, and you get one of those like like iconic scene ones, and it's just a Funko of a very Brendan Fraser esque Patton Burgess punching a Funko centaur. Yeah, I also would accept Nathan Fillion being cast as Patton Burgess. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, my girlfriend has been watching Castle recently, and so I've been like sort of paying attention. I watched the first two seasons, I think, in their entirety. I don't have it in me to like binge watch case of the week shows anymore it's just it's so hard um yeah but you you start noticing like every like every single like story beat or whatever you're like these are all kind of the same yeah you really do need to space that kind of thing out yeah um to enjoy them at least yeah but there was an episode where castle's daughter goes missing and nathan fillion was selling it so hard i was like it's so uncomfortable to watch him in this much pain, but I can't look away. Like he was, he was acting, and I was really impressed. I feel like a dickhead because my favorite scene was in the zombie episode. Do you, did you see that one? Uh, I don't recall. Oh yeah, yeah, the one where yeah, yeah, where he goes, where he like they're watching the video of like the event happen, and then Castle pauses it and like sees the face. He goes, "That, my friends." It's a zombie. And he's walking out of the uh, the place and he goes, our killer is a zombie and randomly high fives the yeah, lady walking yep. by. <laughs> and like, I laughed so hard. I cried. <laughs> it's, that's my ultimate favorite name. Billion moment was our killer is a zombie. <laughs> this is from episode 49. Chirp. We uh, ended up talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda a lot longer than we thought we were going to for two people who don't particularly feel one way or the other about Lin-Manuel Miranda. Yeah, the indifference doesn't really shine through if we have that much to say about someone we just don't really never think about. A similar thing occurred, and you you explained it as you were talk like as you were raging against it. Uh, in the most recent episode with Supernatural. Because you had to be like, I promise, I don't think about Supernatural, like, at all, but also, I hate Supernatural, I don't get why anyone liked it, it's so stupid, but also, if you like it, that's okay, but also, what went wrong for 15 years? (laughs) Right, yeah. It's just so... Supernatural has such a weird audience, I don't know if that was part of the clip, like, they had such a weird audience, it was like, all these like Tumblr girls who wanted, is it Dean? Yeah, Dean and Castiel to hook up. And then the other half of the audience is like 40 year old men. And I'm just like, how do you, you cannot reconcile those two <laughs> groups. They want radically different things. Um, I, may, I made a note during the thing where they're bonding over Wicked that it kind of just feels like the author really wanted to talk about Wicked. <laughs> like, she's just, like, really into the show. It's like, I need to, like, I need to get this out somewhere. So she used it here. And then she refers to Wicked at least once more in the story. I'm like, yeah, she was just on a big Wicked kick at the time and just needed to get it out. <laughs> I was kind of, like, reading that going, like, tween girls really into the show? No, I think Do it's they... more of the authors really into the show. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Everybody am... knows. Everybody knows that Wicked is so, like last season you should be into Hades Town. it shouldn't even be last season it like came out in the early 2000s it's yeah. pretty old at this point I know. I know. <laughs> we yeah it should have been it should have been wicked then hamilton and now Hades Town. yeah they should be totally into hamilton based on how long it takes like a book to be written and then published mm-hmm. it would be hamilton 
but I guess that doesn't really make, I don't know, what would you do? Be dangling like from the thing and kicking your legs going, I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm not throwing away my shot. I don't I don't know any of the music from Hamilton. That's the so. only song I know, other than Alexander Hamilton. That's it. I don't know. The more that I've like um the more that I've heard Lin Manuel Miranda songs in like Disney stuff, the more mm-hmm. I'm not really that enthused about getting around to Hamilton. So Look, I didn't like Hamilton before it became cool to not like Hamilton, so Yeah, I Sorry, was all, I, I was like a, I'm not saying that I have like an active like I like a like a hatred for it or anything, right? I'm no, me just, either. It, but, like, I just I was just not into it. Yeah, I just had no I had no interest in it, and then after a couple, like after, because he did the music a lot of the music for Moana, and he did Encanto, and I think a couple others at this point. In um, the Heights? Did he do In the Heights? But that's yeah. Not yeah, I think he did. Um, and I didn't watch that either. But I just kind of like, I'm just kind of bored with his like. He has like two lyrical tricks that he kind of overuses. I'm kind of bored of them, so I don't think I would want like three hours of that. What are the lyrical tricks? I don't know. I... Um, so he has a tendency to uh, he he'll basically construct his uh his verses as like um just a couple of like run-on sentences and so instead of ending your lines at like like the the rational end of clauses and like rhyming there he'll put the rhyme kind of in the middle of the clause and then like extend the sentence into the next line or something and it's like it it's fine for like you know switching up the pace and stuff but when you kind of he leans on it a lot or at least he has in the stuff that i have heard um and so you're kind of listening to him be like oh it's gonna be that quirky structure but because you know to expect the structure it's no longer like quirky or interesting or offbeat it's just kind of like a could you just like write something straightforward for once um he does that a lot and he also he uses a lot of the like uh like over talking for like conveying a lot of information in a short period of time and it's just kind of it doesn't come across to me as very well structured it's just kind of uh overload um and it's not very pleasant and i i'll be the first to confess i'm not a big musical person there are a couple like i i've seen wicked i do actually enjoy wicked and i've I've seen a couple of other shows uh and i like some like you know like anime musicals and stuff but it's not my thing i'm not super into musicals but right yeah. um i just want once i started noticing the things that he was doing in his lyrics especially when i was watching Encanto, i was like oh he does these things a lot like this is his thing um and so i'm just not sure that i would want like three hours of his thing as like historical rap historical rap yeah um i haven't really seen much of his stuff um i remember like everyone really loving Hamilton when it first came out. And like, I listened to it on Spotify and was just like, I'm not feeling this. But I did. Yeah. I did. See something. I saw something the other day that was like Hamilton. Is, and I don't, I don't know how true this is. Cause I haven't seen the show. Um, but somebody basically said Hamilton is history for people who don't like history and rap for people who don't like rap. Oh, and I could, I could see that. Without having so watched I the like both the the, <laughs> I like both those things. Is that is that why I didn't like Hamilton? Possibly. He's like, yeah, you like good wrestling. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Uh, people are allowed to like Hamilton. I'm not making fun of you if you still like Hamilton and that you haven't turned your back. Actually, if you still like it, I kind of admire you more than the people who are turning their back on it now because it just I think it's just snottiness kind of because I think like a lot of the people turning their back on it now are ones who liked it when they were teenagers and they're all like, I'm adult now. I can't like things I liked when I was a kid. Right. Kind of regardless what, of what it is, it's wasn't... just like if I liked it when I was younger, I'm not allowed to like it now. Yeah. Or they're just like, um, you know, it's not really that good. And like it might not actually be that good, but I mean, you did like it. That doesn't mean you can't like something if it's not good. like most of the movies I like. Or, you know, someone could tear it apart, be like, this is such a piece of shit, and they do this, that, and the other, and this is all wrong. I'd be like, yeah, you're not wrong, but I really like it. Yeah. I I mean, <laughs> so, that, yeah, and it there is kind of the cyclical nature that you experience going into adulthood of, like, liking things and then deciding it's not cool to like those things anymore, and then reclaiming those things and being like, it's okay to like the things. And I know one of the specific ones is that, like, it was, like, Linkin Park was the biggest band in the world. And then for a long time, it was cool to not like Linkin Park. 
and then like the lead singer passed away and then it's like everybody is like you know their music wasn't actually like that bad like there was a lot of crappy stuff in that scene but their music was never that bad and i'm just over here like i didn't really stop liking them um and you know i understand the cycle so i'm not gonna like tear people down for it but at the same time it's kind of like it's kind of trashy to I don't know to do to do it in a like on a public in a, in a public space where like you can see the progression of somebody being like I like it now I hate it now I like it again it's just kind of like I don't know it's yeah. just like just keep it to yourself I guess like go go through the motions but like I don't know don't sp- don't spend a lot of energy trying to tear down things that people like I say after complaining about Hamilton and Lin Manuel Miranda like in general. Yeah, I guess I guess I guess what we've learned here is that I liked him when I was little and I hate him now. So in a few years I'm gonna be talking about how great he is. Maybe. I think that's what's gonna happen too. That's probably what's gonna happen. Yeah, I've seen on TikTok like everyone kinda of making fun of him. They're like, and his singing isn't that good and I'm almost like, his singing was fine. I genuinely like, don't know what his singing voice is like, so I have no commentary on that. You didn't hear any of the music from Hamilton? Because that's uh, how you hear what I, he sounds uh, like. No, I like I said, I uh, I think I maybe once have heard a song, a single song from Hamilton play off somebody's phone, and I think that's the extent of the Hamilton music I've heard. I really do not know what any of the music sounds like. Um, so my my disinterest in it is based on purely on what I've seen of his other work. I did see the uh, Mary Poppins sequel that he was in, so I heard him sing like in that, and it wasn't like rapping or anything because okay. like this was like London and. What year was it? I don't even give a shit because it wasn't really that good of a movie. It's fine. Yeah, it, it, I, it I did see like some. Great. I did see some discourse of people being like one of the reasons people dislike Lin Lin Manuel Miranda is that he will like he. They're like he's not even that good of a singer, and he like casts himself as the lead in his own projects. And I'm just thinking like maybe Why he's not? not the best singer, but like it, that's pro- honestly, especially if you're getting started, that's the most efficient like way to get your project off the ground is to be like, fine, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not even like, like so many people do that. So many people cast themselves as the lead in, in things that they, you know, how, how many movies has Ben Affleck been the director of and also like starred? And it's like, totally, he's, he's not the best actor of all time. I wouldn't say that he's an awful actor, but he's like, he could have picked somebody else for the role, but like, and sometimes it's just the most efficient way, or maybe you're just so personally connected to it that you're like, you know, maybe I'm not the best singer in the world, but I just can't, uh, I can't imagine the character as anybody else at this point. Um, right. And it's like, yeah. I'm not going to hold that against you. Nah. I'm just not into the lyrics. That's, that's the end of our uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda sub podcast. We both kind of feel, eh. but it's more of a, kind of more optimistic sounding ah, rather than like eh. yeah we don't feel strongly enough about it even though we just talked about it at length <laughs> yeah let's talk about how much we don't uh care about it and try to convince people we do in fact not care about it um but yeah. let's get back to the story <laughs> this is from episode 52 long lincoln I think one of us might have made an aside about James Patterson, and uh, he had been in the uh, in the literary news recently for having some pretty dumb complaints. Or was it him? We'll never know. He's <laughs> a bunch of publishers in a in a suit. I don't know. I I really truly am excited for when when it's revealed that they've been weekend at burning seeing him for like a decade, like they did to VC Andrews. Did they do that? Yeah. She'd been dead a long time, and there's only so many outlines she had for them to kind of crib together a book, but they were publishing books, let's say V.C. Andrews on it, way after she was dead. They kind of have been doing that with uh, the Western author William W. Johnstone, in the sense that oh, yeah. his... It's a it's a two part thing, and I love telling people this. So if I haven't mentioned it on the podcast, uh, I'm excited for anyone who gets to hear this for the first time. So William W. Johnstone is a Western author who passed away, I think, like 15 years ago at this point, and all of the books published through now are under the name William W. Johnstone with J. A. Johnstone. J. A. Johnstone being a family member that. Uh, was working with him while he was still alive and kind of apprenticing under him. So when he died, J.A. Johnstone ended up taking over. 
Two things about that. One, if you look in the author's bio in any of the books, they go out of their way to not tell you that William W. Johnstone is dead. They intentionally phrase each sentence to acknowledge the things that he accomplished without pointing out that he is no longer accomplishing anything. <laughs> they also Except go pushing up daisies. Yeah. They also go out of their way to not use pronouns with J. A. Johnson because J. A. Johnson is a woman. And they don't want their dwindling straight white male audience to figure that out. Plus they don't like pronouns. <laughs> yeah. Even though every every everyone and everything has a pronoun. You cannot disagree with me. It is a grammatical <laughs> fact. Everybody should just be it. It is also a pronoun. <laughs> yeah. There's no escaping it. Every language has pronouns. I don't think there's an exception. Yeah, unless you are just exclusively, like, you're basically third-personing it all the time. Because you would just be like... Uh, you want to be caveman? Exactly. <laughs> Hulu belong to Hulu. Hulu no Disney. Josh, ask Mara if Mara want to be caveman. Mara want pet caveman. Well, could you even... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Could I even what? Nothing. I realized that it didn't work. Ignore me. Well, maybe I... Mara be cave person? Because not man? Mm? Cave Mara? Cave Mara. Mara, There you go. Cave Mara? So we don't have to bring up the uh, the whole issue of gender. <laughs> Did you see the thing from I think it was last week that James Patterson is upset that it's getting harder yes. for old white men to get writing jobs and it's racism. Yeah, you can tell because look how much of a roadblock you know, his career has yeah. been. And look at look at all of the like all his contemporaries, like all of the other people writing. They're all you know they're all young black and Asian women, like, you don't see any other white guys writing thrillers. There's, you know, like, Grisham, she's, like, 24. Baldacci, she's, like, you know, 33, maybe. (laughs) And they're all black. Yeah. I know. It's just, like, what world are you living in? There's, like, maybe, like, a handful of white women who might be the same name recognition level as James Patterson, yeah, but it's not like anyone a- else. Ivanovich and Nora Roberts writing as J.D. Robb. I was thinking like Louise Penny. She's got a shit ton of books now. She definitely does. Uh, I think she still has a little bit more like uh, respect than some of those other authors do. <laughs> yeah, you put some respect on her name. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I've read a few Louise Pennies. They're pretty decent. Um, yeah, I can't really think who he's talking about. Yeah, like, well, are no you one. upset that you can only publish 16 books a year? Don't talk to me or my 500 ghostwriters again. <laughs> you racist. Yeah, this is why our podcast isn't successful, Josh. They're all racist against <laughs> white people. <laughs> ridiculous old fuddy-duddy idiot oh my god he even had a tv he had a tv show on like um investigation investigation discovery one of those channels it's like oh crime with james patterson and i was just like you're not in any danger of anything like you're fine oh (laughs) sir okay okay back to this This is from episode 48, Dark Waters. I think this might have been... This might have been the first time that I had the idea of doing a Clips episode because you had some things to say about a particular self-help book, but we intentionally <laughs> didn't get into it until the episode was over because it there wasn't a good place for it within the episode. Yeah, spoiler alert, I still don't like self-help books, and I've read so many this year. For my works book club that's the only reason i'm reading them is because like when i finish it and then like send an email to my boss i get awarded hours that i can apply to like time off so that's it 
for anyone who's like, well, if you don't like them, don't read them. I'm like, I'm getting a benefit from it. <laughs> I'm getting a benefit from reading it, but it has nothing to do with what I'm reading. And I don't send like my my boss like this hateful screed of like, I hate this book and I think everyone who reads it should die. You know, I don't say anything like that. I just like these are the things I got from the book or these are the points I think she was trying to make or whatever. And like the one I hated the most, I don't even know if I say this in the clip, but the one I hated, absolutely hated the most, um, my boss actually emailed me back and was like, thank you so much for your positivity. And she wasn't being sarcastic. Because she's like, I'm really glad you were able to pull something from it and, and like, look at the positive. And I was like, I was? <laughs> well, I didn't really think of it as positive. I guess it's the absence of negativity she's perceived as, pos- as positive. Sure. I guess in comparison to what other people were saying. <laughs> I was just, I just always try and kind of present it neutrally. Like, okay, these are the points this book was trying to tell us. That's it. Well, we're basically at the end of the main part. Did you want to record anything about your self-help book to have it on file? What? What do you want to know? I don't know. I like what book was it, and what was the message that they were trying to impart? Okay, so the I for work we've been getting. Um, I almost said extra credit. We've been getting extra credit for, um, we'd start the, our manager started a book club where we have to read it like a self-help book. And the first book we read was called Atomic Habits. I can't remember the author, but and it was kind of on the dry side, but he had really sensible advice and tips. And I initially went into this book club really hesitant because I thought it would, I think mostly self-help, like, on the whole, I kind of think it's a scam. Like you're taking advantage of people. We're kind of desperate. Maybe don't have the money to invest in therapy. So they get these books to kind of give them some answers. And I, and I think some people take advantage of that and write bullshit. And uh, Atomic Habits, I read that and I was like, no, this is actually like good advice that one could actually implement and he kind of hawked his website a few times but he didn't try and tell you that you need to buy like a workbook to go with the book and stuff so i was you know more willing to believe like okay this might be all right but then the second book that was assigned you are a badass by jen sincero and i don't think she's that sincero jesus but um the whole point of the book is to like just positive thinking, like ch- changing the, the way you think so you're not so defeatist and you're kind of approaching things like, I am a badass, I am really cool, and I deserve good things to happen to me. And when you carry yourself with this kind of confidence, then uh, it kind of affects everyone around you. And I guess the universe it was her whole argument, and she really didn't have any sensitive, t- uh, sensitive, any like good tips it was all just like just be a badass change your vibes (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of it was just this weird like um like bad things happen to you and all this because like you weren't manifesting the good stuff and it that just always feels really victim blamey to me where it's like you know like you make what you know you make what happens to you it's like right yeah that kid who got leukemia just wasn't manifesting not having leukemia so that's why he got it right you know i'm 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 poor because i'm not good at manifesting yeah it's not that like i had to drop out of school when i was 15 to support my family and work in this crummy job and i have to get take care of my younger siblings yeah, I should I should definitely buy a fancy car even though I can't pay for it and then like the universe will make sure I get money. That was a real chapter. <laughs> really? Yeah, she's like, "Okay, I mean, I could have gotten the Kia or was it a Kia? I don't know. It was like a not as fancy of a model, but she got like the Land Rover instead." And she's like, "And I found a way to pay for it. And you know what? If I'd gotten the cheaper car, I'd still have been paying it off." 
because I wouldn't have been had been it and I was just like you're insane and I knew I was in trouble the first time she name dropped India I was like oh god all these types are just always about India it's like what cultural appropriating bullcrap are you gonna say well it's like of the eat pray love thing it's like I'm gonna bring my white rich entitled butt over here and like all you people in your society are just there to inspire me and I don't, I don't know it's just so bad so that was so that's kind of the bulk of it like there was really just nothing practical and when we uh, read these books when we finished them we're supposed to have like five takeaways I had to stretch so hard because once in a while, and it's written in the most irritating tone. Like, I, you know how you and I, like, like oh, oh, this um, paperback crush was written in a chatty tone. It's like that, but it's this try-hard chatty tone. I don't know if you've ever actually met a life coach, but that's just what they're like. Uh-huh. And I can't stand that shit for five seconds. Like, I accidentally, I accidentally met one. I don't know if it was you who was with me, but I accidentally met one when I was still at school with you and she was just like so how are you getting by are you getting by okay and i'm like yeah i don't have student debt and i own my house <laughs> and she's like yeah so i have clients who like she's trying to get by and i was like did you just hear me do you just assume because i'm working in a real retail position that i hate my life or something and she was like trying to like sell me on life coach lessons and so I was just like, do you have a card? And she says, no, I don't have cards. And I was just like, okay, no. no. And she's like, well, if I can get your number. And I go, I don't, I don't hand my number out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I was not, yeah. The woman who wrote this is a pushy life coach. Gotcha. Who, oh, and, and her idea of manifesting was just so annoying, but she was like, I was staying in Japan and like, I didn't even want to like, go to japan like i didn't even care but like i went and it was so amazing but then i knew i had to work on this book and i needed like a month to work on this book so i knew i wanted to write it in california i'm like who can't just write it why does you need to be somewhere in particular so her solution was she was like okay i need to find a place to stay and she's like i can't stay in a hotel i'm like why so she needed a house and it and so she like went online to her friends and sent out a, re a request like, hey, does anybody know anyone with a house that I could like rent for this month? Whatever. And I was just like, go to Airbnb, go to a hotel. Why are you? But but she's like she put that out there and wasn't getting any responses. And then she started getting nervous, like, oh, I'm going to be going to California. Like, I have my flight paid for and everything. I'm going to go to California. I'm not going to have a place to stay. And. So she's like, so I bucked myself up and I congratulated myself on having a place to stay. And boy, I'm going to love my place to stay. And she put out another notice to her friends and then went out to dinner and had a great time. When she came back, there was a message from a friend saying, hey, I have I know somebody outside San Francisco who's got a place and they're going to rent to you. And I was like, that's not the universe manifesting that for you. That's someone else doing the work you should have been doing to find a place to stay. You just pushed your responsibilities onto somebody else to, like, take care of you. And I find that behavior so irritating. Like, get a hotel. You're ma you This manifested for you because you made it everyone else's problem. Right. So it was just, it was just all the stuff like that. It was completely unhelpful. This fakey girl boss bullshit that I just can't stand. Also, and... I feel like if you're at the point where you're like, oh, I need to go to California and rent a house for a month to write this book, like, you know, you're already like doing better than like everyone, everybody else, right? <laughs> like, you're already super privileged. She doesn't have a permanent address. She just travels everywhere. She put, but she's like, I put all my stuff in storage. And I'm like, yeah, how much does that cost? Yeah. Storage isn't cheap. Yeah, no, I definitely get what you're saying about, like, self-help books being kind of predatory because it's the idea of, like, all you have to do is buy this one book for $25 and then it solves your problems. And it's like, that's that's not how it works. That's not how any of this yeah. works. It's a similar thing with, like, you know, most of the, like, fad diet books is, like, it's preying on people who have 
other situations like medical conditions or, you know, you know, coping mechanisms and stuff like that. And it's like, well, here's the here's the 21 day solution to, you know, having a trimmer body without actually doing work. And it's like that's no, you have to address it with like you have to figure out what your actual like body type and needs and things like that and realistically what you can you work towards and then it's work and then it's like it's like it's all these things that like like they're preying on the people who don't want to acknowledge that to get to a different spot sometimes it's more than they expect you know yeah yeah and also the i really hate the financial ones oh yeah spend money like, here, with me <laughs> And you'll become an instant millionaire. I'm like, they, we can't all be millionaires. Yeah. Uh, so when I signed up for this book club, I was hesitant, expecting this book, and then got it right away. <laughs> and hey, you um, see, I mean, like nowhere to go but up, right? Right. And it was. And then um, when I sent my takeaways for this book, and like I said, it was a real stretch, and I didn't realize that my takeaways could be negative thoughts. I was just like, that's not really the point of reading a self-help thing. You're supposed to get something from it. So I figured that's what the takeaway was supposed to be. So anyway, I stretched and got them. And it's usually when she was quoting somebody else. Well, there was a few things she said that I, she was cribbing from somebody else that were good. Cause um, she said that, that we all have subconscious beliefs and thoughts that can interfere with what you think you want to do. So you could say like, I want to do X, Y, and Z. If you have an underlying thought that like, let's say me, like, you know, I'm going to go to, to Costa Rica and go zip lining and all that. But my underlying belief is I'm happy at home in my jammies, sitting in my bed, reading a book. I am not the go to Costa Rica and zip line person. So I'm not going to meet that goal. Cause my subconscious belief is going to keep me here. So my takeaway was that saying like the subconscious thoughts can derail what your plan plans are and you need to find out what those beliefs are and like address them head on before you can really go forward with anything else. So sometimes there was like nuggets of stuff that wasn't when she wasn't trying to be cutesy and funny. Like there was a lot of like AAVE getting thrown around and I hate when people do that. Just like, you know, like, it got real and like real was spelled R I L L. And I was like, I hate you so much. Do you go get your hair did too? Like, stop it. <laughs> it's just the entirety of, uh, Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott as written by like Amy Schumer. Like oh, it's that's, so bad. That's upsetting. That's yeah. Boy, do you that, see why I gave boy, this, that dip I in gave... quality in like people. <laughs> I gave it zero stars. So where was I going? Oh, so I, anyway, so I did, I did my takeaways by really, really reaching and sent them to my boss. And then, um, I hear back from her a few days later, like, Hey, thanks for these. This is really great. I, you did a very good job of finding the positive. And she said, there is something in this book that made me cringe. <laughs> And I was wondering of her pointing out the positivity, like what everyone else's takeaways must have looked like for her to be complimenting me. And I'm a negative Nancy, so I just got a kick out of being told how positive I am. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not a positive person. I think I'm more like mid-tier view where like I'm, the glass is half full, and I'm like, that's fine. That's still a lot of drink. I'm okay. Instead of like, you know, like, oh, it's half full. That's wonderful. Or like, I got half a drink. What's this BS? You know? Yeah. So that's how I view myself. And I don't know if that's how I come across to others, but it was like the first time in a long time someone's mistakenly attributed me with the quality of being very positive. <laughs> so it was very funny. All right, everybody. So this has been our first ever clips episode. We hope you enjoyed that peek behind the curtain at the things that don't end up in your regular feed. 
As you can see, you've missed nothing. <laughs> Feel free to let us know if that is, this is a uh, format that you enjoy, and if you want to hear some more outtakes. Um, pretty much every episode has the raw audio somewhere. I think the I might have o saved over a couple of the early ones, but just about everything else has the original unedited audio somewhere, uh, including the episode that we still will not release. Um, no. Not Big. until we get to one million subscribers. Yeah, I was gonna say it's gonna be like it's gonna be a like a Patreon goal. <laughs> if we can get one patron, <laughs> and we will be resuming our standard episode format in January with the Vanderbeekers of 141st Street by Karina Yan Glaser. Feels kind of dumb to do the the full outro for it, but I guess. Hello Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music provided by Ben Ash. You can visit him at benash.com if you'd like to contact us. We are on Twitter and Instagram at hfkpodcast, or you can email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com, and we will see you in January. Bye. Bye. That's done. And then get my notes for oh. today's episode. I took no notes. Really? Hmm? Was that freeing for you? Um, it was either do notes and don't finish reading, or finish reading and don't do notes. So it was just that kind of month. So I'm like, Fair. all right, I'm just gonna read this. Fair. Did you finish it pretty recently still, though? Sure did. Finished it today. Good. Still fresh in your mind. <laughs> yeah, I was going to space out, do my seven, and then I was like, I don't want to, and then like I didn't, and I'm like, okay. It's Sunday. You need to do something. And I'm like, okay. But I do three sections. They're like, perfect. And then yesterday, I was like, I don't want to. And I'm like, oh. Oh God, why? Why are you like this? <laughs> I don't know, but I don't want to. I'm like, there's a lot of this book left. <laughs> But I made it. Cool. Um, get my synopsis up. Get my Synopsies. book ready. There. Okay. And uh, <laughs> we now get to hop one month forward in time. Ready? Yes.